Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Lucia Chachulovic. I am an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm happy to be joined today by Helen Freer from Investment Writing with the Markets Wrap-Up and Dario Messi from Fixed Income Research with his view on the markets. So let's get started. Helen, could you please give us an overview of what has happened in the markets? Yes, good morning, Lucia, and good morning to everybody listening. Let's start with the US markets then, where the Dow Jones lost 0.6% yesterday, the Nasdaq dropped 1%, and the S&P 500 fell by 0.9% over the day. All of the 11 sectors in the S&P posted a negative return, but the worst performing sector was energy. Technology and healthcare also underperformed versus other sectors. Materials was the best performing sector of the day. In Europe, there was a bit of a mixed picture. The Eurostox 50 rose by 0.4%. The OMX index fared best yesterday, rising by 1.6%. Out of all the major European indices, just Spanish and Italian equities ended the day in the red. In Switzerland, the SMI gained 0.4% over the day. In Treasury markets, the US 2 and 10-year yields both fell by two basis points yesterday, and in overnight trading, the two-year yield is steady at 3.05%, while the 10-year yield is up one basis point to 2.98%. Let's catch up with central bank news now. So the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has raised interest rates by half a percentage point this morning to 2.5%, a level not seen since March 2016. And the central bank has also signaled that it remains comfortable with its plans to continue to tighten policy at pace in order to restrain inflation. The Bank of Korea doubled the margin of its latest rate hike today, joining the global wave of larger interest rate increases. It lifted rates to 2.25%, as was widely expected. Inflation in the country is now running at a 23-year high. In the UK, the list of candidates going for the Tory party leadership position is down to eight, with Rishi Sunak heading the group at the moment. Each candidate needs to have the backing of 20 Conservative MPs in order to secure a place in today's first round of balloting. The person with the least support today is then knocked out, as is anyone who receives less than 30 votes. In Italy, after a lot of fighting between parties, Prime Minister Mario Draghi has said that he will resign if the Five Star Movement abandons the coalition. He's under increasing pressure from a number of parties in the alliance that want him to soften reforms and maybe make changes to the cabinet. Tomorrow will be key when Draghi faces a confidence vote over an aid package for businesses and households that have been particularly impacted by high energy prices. And after Elon Musk announced last week that he wants to walk away from the $44 billion acquisition of Twitter, the social network now faces a legal battle. But Twitter are now saying that they only need four days in court to prove that Musk should be forced to honour his agreement. In terms of economic data, data for the UK already out this morning includes May GDP figures, which showed that the UK economy grew by 0.5% in May, month on month, which was more than expected. 
Eurozone industrial production figures will be out late morning and CPI data is due out today. The figures for Germany are out already. There, the CPI for June was 7.6% year on year. And we'll also get the data for France and Spain this morning and then the much anticipated US data later today. Investors will be watching the US inflation data closely. According to estimates from Dow Jones, the June Consumer Price Index is expected to show headline inflation, including food and energy, rising above May's 8.6% level to 8.8%. In Asia so far today, when I looked a few minutes ago, the Nikkei was up 0.4%, the CSI 300 had gained 0.3%, and the Hang Seng Index was broadly flat. Futures in the US were up, but European futures were in the red when I looked a few moments ago. And with that, I wish you all a great day and I hand back to you, Lucia. Thank you very much, Helen. Now, Dario, over to you. What do you see happening in the fixed income markets and what is your take on it? Yes, good morning, Lucia, and good morning to all of you. As Helen just mentioned, today is a CPI day. So um, we all know inflation is still on top of mind for many or actually all investors. And the print today will certainly be followed very, very closely by the investment community. What we already know now, uh, it will be a big number. Um, Again, Helen just mentioned it before, consensus forecast on our Bloomberg screens points to 8.8% on a year-on-year basis. When we look at the headline number, which uh, also includes the more volatile elements like the energy or food prices. This would uh, be even higher than the 8.6% we got for the May inflation reading, so just another multi-decade high. Uh, so far this year, we, in the fixed income market, really we really had to learn that the rollover uh, of inflation that many of us predicted or, or maybe also hoped for is delayed. Uh, but we still think that inflation is going to roll over at some point, and that we are not in a spiral with uh, unstoppable higher inflation readings ahead. Uh, I will talk about this later, but first let's look at the different components also of the aggregate price index. Even though the last print might be old news for some, it still explains much of the current dynamics that we see uh, driving this aggregate price pressure uh, measure up. It basically shows how the pressure points switched. Uh, When we look at the goods sector only, a part of the economy which struggled to cope with all these supply bottlenecks, but also with the the high demand when consumers were basically locked at home during the pandemic, this part of the economy actually shows some declines in upward price pressure. There are signs that the supply bottlenecks are easing. And on the other side, also consumers they, they seem to spend the money again for what they were not able to spend for a long time, uh, services. So prices in the service sector picked up and we don't see them rolling over so quickly. And on top, uh, there is still some contribution from the obvious suspect, the, the energy side, uh, for higher year-on-year figures. But at least from a monthly comparison there, the oil price uh, is lower more recently. But overall, and summarized, there is no doubt, inflation did broaden and uh, the rollover of this inflation reading comes later than than many anticipated, but it will come. And we think also that the fiscal side played a major role in 
let's say, uh, bringing up this inflation dynamics again. And exactly on this fiscal front, we see less reasons for, for ad additional price pressure now. But uh, let's talk now also about the fixed income market, um, what the fixed income market uh, makes out of this inflation data, more specifically about uh, the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, the so-called TIPS. As the name suggests, TIPS uh, should protect against inflation compared to traditional treasuries. And therefore, the pricing of these assets uh, allows us for interesting information regarding inflation expectations priced in the market. And it's ex exactly there where we see a dramatic shift. So inflation expectations came down quite pronounced. Uh, so around March and April, uh, over a five-year horizon, we had 3.6% of expected annual inflation. What followed was May, um, with the first drop of 50 basis points, and then also June with another 50 basis points. So we are now, in terms of inflation expectations, 1% lower and more or less at levels that we observed throughout the last year. And this basically shows what else dominates at the moment in markets. These are basically the, the recession fears. So growth forecasts are revised downwards quickly. We also just had again the, the IMF coming out with a projected 2.3% growth for, forecast for the US economy in 2022. And this is quite a bit lower than uh, not so long ago. And remember, I mean, back in October last year, we had over 5% projected growth from the IMF for the US economy. Uh, also looking at the rate hike expectations, the market sees the Fed to move forward with their promised fast hiking journey, but already in 2023, the market implied policy rate starts dropping again. So overall, also the second half of 2022 starts quite volatile, somehow trapped between inflation and recession fears. Uh, the index tracking volatility on the treasury market reached almost March 2022 levels. At least uh, treasuries recovered some of their hatching feature now that recession fears are more pronounced. What do we do out of this in terms of fixed income strategies? We don't think it's time to do big changes and just stick to our positioning. So financial conditions are tightening, yes. Defaults will likely be higher than today in six months time, yes. But just from a valuation perspective, the corporate credit segment shows still opportunities and we see the best risk reward in global low investment grade and the better rated part of the high yield market in the US, which still benefits from, from this energy exposure. That's it from my side. Back to you. Thank you very much, Dario. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again soon. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com.